All right. Hi, Eliza. How are you going? Good. How are you? I'm great. Um, I hope the viewers uh, like my, uh, my background that I've put up. The world map, because we're talking about great worldly issues. <laughs> Symbolic. I love it. Yeah, it was so annoying to actually put this up, right, because there's five separate canvas pieces and to just align them as perfectly as possible. Was not easy. Look, my life is hard. I know there are people going through all sorts of um, job losses and things right now, but putting up five canvas pieces is probably the hardest thing that anyone in the world is is enduring. Congratulations! Right now. Thank how, you. How did you celebrate your success? Well, I just felt really proud of myself. <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah, I deserve uh, as many thank yous and congratulations <laughs> as possible. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so this is episode three. Of, uh, I believe we have kind of come up with a title. We're not 100% set on it yet, but I really like Sex Cells. I love it. Cells with a C. Yes. Yeah. Sex Cells yeah. with a C. Yeah. And, and I was also thinking there's a little play there where you can, in, in the same way, you can have an incel, you can have a sex cell. Love it. Yeah. Which yes. would be like, I don't know, the opposite of, a, of an incel. I, I, <laughs> an outcell. Yes, an outcell. <laughs> yeah. But um, how, was, uh, how were the first two podcasts for you? What was it like? Because you haven't really done anything like this before, yeah, have you? Yeah, it was um, unnatural for me, obviously, but yeah. it's been good. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see what else comes up with us. And even off camera, we have these chats anyway. So They're good chats. And these debates. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's going to be good. Yeah, it is. Um, now, you've got a topic that you'd like to uh, talk about in this particular podcast so how about you uh introduce that one yeah sure well I was thinking um that I think it would be cool to talk about why we're so attracted to and drawn to people that we shouldn't be with Mm -hmm. and also why do we stay in toxic relationships and Mm. what's so addictive about them um and why I think a lot of women also say that you know men will chase us and make all this effort and lose interest. Um, so it'd be cool to get a male-female perspective on those kind of things as well. Sure. Yeah. Is there any particular catalyst that um, brought up this uh, this topic <laughs> that you wanted to explore? Um, just every single conversation I hear <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this day and age. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a strange phenomenon, isn't mm-hmm. it? Um, and I wouldn't know if it really applied to previous generations because it seems to be a very millennial um, current uh issue yes you know all throughout social media um from from the male perspective there's um there's the whole nice guys finish last yes. mindset yeah. uh there's a a lot of a lot of tiktoks out there that relate to that yeah and i know in, in in my life as well um i've experienced uh uh similar sort of things where i've been really um in my mind at least quite a you know decent loving boyfriend or mm-hmm. a, a good person to a to a girl and then they'll either lose interest or just not necessarily want to see me but then if I'm uh, a bit more detached and play it cool and yeah. you know try do emulate a little bit of uh, that fuck boy inside of me yes yeah it does seem to work sometimes and, and isn't that terrible <laughs> it is it is um yeah. it is terrible but do you have any theories as to why that's the case yeah, um, I, I definitely do. And I have a friend who is um, who was single and she kind of similar to that, but on the opposite end was dating all these guys, going on multiple dates with them, having a lot of fun. But every time she met a nice, lovely guy, she'd be like, no. And then she'd meet someone who wouldn't um, 
respond to her, who was either very unattainable, like geographically, mm. or they were famous. Um, and those would be the type of guys that she was interested in. And then she'd be like, why am I not finding love? Why am I not getting in successful relationships? So I think a lot of that can come down to, there's so many variations to it. One of them, um, I guess, could be, we love the chase. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't think that's just uh, as girls. A lot of guys. Guys you know, love, love the chase. I love the chase too. Debatably more. <laughs> yeah. 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 I definitely am in that boat. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think, do you know the uh, psychologist Jordan Peterson? Of course. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Yes. Jordan Peterson, yeah. Yes. He's a, he's a cool guy. He's very controversial, mm-hmm. obviously. He's got yeah. some um, interesting points. But one of them about this topic is agreeableness. And it's that he goes on about how we all have certain levels of agreeableness. And if we agree with other people too much, where uh, they are less likely to be interested in us. Mm-hmm. And so I think that can be a factor of losing interest if I'm sitting here and um, with with someone who we're dating or whatever and I'm saying yes, yes, yes to everything they say. Yeah. It's going to be less solid than if I say no, no, and then yes. Yeah. Um, it's much more exciting. Yeah. Those sorts of conversations. It's just boring if someone's yeah just agreeing with everything exactly you say and not not at least having their own opinion i mean there's nothing wrong with um having similar values yeah and and agreeing with each other yeah. but uh i i if that um if those agreements are coming from a place of uh you know uh an unwillingness to engage in conflict or uh a sense of insecurity i think both men and women, but probably women, I would I would guess are more attuned to that. They can mm. they can sense that. Yeah. And it just um it's not attractive. That's exactly right. And also our brains release dopamine when we feel that we've won something or accomplished yeah, okay. something. And that can be addictive. And that's, you know, our brains are designed to make us chase um, mates and yes. sex to reproduce um, and every time we're doing something along that line of reproduction or finding a mate our brain is constantly releasing surges of dopamine yeah. so when we are feeling that we've finally accomplished something with someone like getting them on the same page as us or bonding over something that's when we get this instant surge of attraction mm. um, to them but whether or not how long that lasts or if that's um, a solid or safe attraction is a different story. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It um, opens up a huge can of worms as to how do we deal with those uh, biological inclinations that yeah. we have. Is it actually bad for society if we uh, are constantly being attracted to people who are uh, rationally not yeah. healthy for us? Mm. Um, and this is this is quite simplistic and in many cases even even reductive but i think uh those sorts of behaviors are what creates fuckboys yes because behind every fuckboy is a is a sensitive nice guy that got hurt mm-hmm. and um would that apply to to women as well like i don't i don't i don't know if fuck girl is the right term there but <laughs> maybe um uh, yeah, I, I don't know what the term. That's would, an interesting. Would, one. I don't know what the politically correct term would be. Uh, but do you think that that sort of uh, promiscuous? Yeah, yeah. Oh, whatever. I'll just oh, well, I don't know. Like whatever. Temptress. Whatever the whatever the the phrase we we use is. Um, do you think uh, there's an element of truth uh, from the female perspective there as well, where 
maybe girls who are, you know, partying a lot and are unwilling to um, get in into a serious relationship are women who have just been hurt in the past and have been open and vulnerable and that's um, Mm. come to bite them in the ass. Yeah, well, to your first point, I don't know if I 100% agree that every fuckboy is once a sad and insecure person who's learned that behavior. Sometimes I think that it's, um, it's the validation that we get, like, like you even said, when I was doing these kind of distant behaviors, I was getting more interest. Mm. Um, so that may not necessarily stem from insecurity kind of things. It's it's learning yeah. the game um, yeah. okay. <laughs> and getting good sure. at the game. Yeah. Um, but in terms of having these learned behaviors, I think a lot of it comes down to our upbringing and our attachment styles. So okay. everyone has an attachment style in a relationship. Um, and some of those are healthy and some of those are very, very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Do you, are you familiar with attachment styles? Uh, I have a brief uh, knowledge uh, of it, but um, give, me a, give me a refresher. All right, I'll course, give you the rundown. Really, really quickly. Yeah. yeah, okay, so there's four major ones. Okay. Um, the first one is secure. So that means I trust my partner. Um, you can say what you can communicate more easily without any um, issues. There's less drama overall and you're more, you feel safe and secure in your relationship. So one way of putting it would be I'm okay and you're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is preoccupied or anxious. And that is um, you're okay, but I'm not okay. So you're a good person and I'm not. And it's the clinginess and mm. needing to um have that constant validation from you that you're going to be uh, loyal to me. And and then with mm, that okay. kind of desperate need for validation constantly breeds paranoia. And so once you become paranoid saying, you don't love me as much as you used to, or you used to look at me like this and you don't anymore, those kind of things. Um, and then you leave because of that. And then that would validate to me as an anxious person or anxious a style. Of course, I was right all along. I knew he would leave me. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's yeah. pretty much being really fearful that someone's going to leave you. Um, and then due to the behaviors from that fear, they yeah, actually do leave you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We've all, well, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. On um, the receiving end, and look, I'll admit it, uh, there were elements of that on, on my end as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Early on, um, when I was maybe a late teen and and even into my early twenties to a certain degree, mm-hmm. um, I guess you know if if you see your partner as this sort of perfect ideal conception yeah. of a, of a woman, and then you by comparison, like your whole sense of self worth comes from the fact that she's into in, into you. That's because exactly because you don't see yeah. yourself as uh, yeah. as perfect and. Um, I think, uh, there would have been some reciprocation as, as well. Um, you know, being a, I guess, a, I hate saying it, but a celebrity, mm. <laughs> um, I think that comes with, um, you know, that can have its disadvantages actually mm. in, uh, in relationships where, yeah. uh, girls might be, you know, feeling extra special because, oh, this guy who's really popular is, yeah. um, is into me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look, I've, I've, uh, I've had some experiences on, um, on both sides of that spectrum. Yeah. And it's very common. It's what actually most of our romantic movies are based exactly upon as it. well. Like yeah. one of the classic ones examples is the notebook where they would say that Noah has an attachment, um, an anxious preoccupied, 
preoccupied attachment because he's like you I think he hasn't even met her at one point and he's threatening to suicide and he's also saying tell me what you want I'll do anything you want yeah, so that kind yeah. of thing it's placing your value on how the other person perceives you and also having a tendency to put that person way too high on a pedestal and not seeing any of their flaws um mm. the third one is dismissive um which is kind of being distant um maybe ignoring your partner a bit struggling to find long-lasting relationships or having friendships even and it's also just kind of being a little bit cold a little bit separated from your partner sure um which is another one that's really common in romance movies where it's like someone will work really hard to win over that person and get them to um love it so someone who has a dismissive um attachment style would be thinking i'm okay but you're not okay so they kind of put themselves actually higher than their partner yeah okay um and it's hard for them to find longer relationships but they're also and this is a lot of i guess fuck boys would fall into this category if anything because some of the um telltale signs is being really charming and personality and using humor to deflect kind of any intimate um, or emotionally vulnerable topics. So a classic example of this that's used um, is Tony Stark has a dismissive attachment style. Yeah. Where when is he people... the, um, the, what's his name? The yeah. Iron Man? Yeah, yeah Iron yeah, Man. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like kind of that cool, charming, but anytime someone tried, like there's one scene where a little boy is telling him, oh, my dad went and got scratchies and he must have won because he never came back six years ago. Yeah. And then Tony Stark says, well, don't be a pussy. Like, and it's just that funny kind of humor. Um, but but doesn't that, isn't that just evidence that he clearly has gone through something traumatic in, in his past? So it's not, yeah. it might not be specifically that he was a nice, sensitive guy and then, yeah. you know, something happened to him. But in saying that sort of thing to let's just take that example where he's yeah. telling a little kid, you know, yeah. don't don't be a pussy. Yeah. It sounds like he might have gone through something similar to that or he from his uh, past experiences, he knows that the best way to deal with certain things is to shut off yes. the emotion. So hence being dismissive. Yeah. 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 And it does every attachment style that we have stems from our caregivers and how we were brought up and they can change yeah, over okay. years, but usually um, it's easy to change them relatively if you do the work. But sometimes we are stuck in one certain um, attachment style our whole lives um, and like you said he I, I'm not like the biggest Iron Man fan I don't know how I know this but he also was saying uh-huh. like in one, in one of his movies um, that you know my, my dad was distant my dad was manipulative so you're right it did kind of stem from his past and own experiences with his father so yeah. he was like trying to project onto that kid don't be a pussy um, and the last one is fearful avoidant and that is kind of being really turbulent which I guess also most toxic relationships will fall into this and it doesn't mean that both people in this relationship are fearful avoidant it's usually one um Mm. and it would be I really crave intimacy and I want love but when you give it to me I'm going to push it away 
causing a lot of drama, escalations, um, fights, and often violence as well. So that manipulation and things like that. Um, And Mm. most people with that type of attachment style come from trauma backgrounds um, in their upbringing. So to wrap that all up, (laughs) sometimes we end up in a relationship with someone who has an attachment style that's very different to ours or Mm. doesn't serve us. So if you were an anxious anxious attachment person where you're like, give me attention and you're with someone who's dismissive, Mm. you might be more drawn to them because in a way you're going to be balancing each other out. You'd be drawn to each other. But at the same point, you're never going to be feeding each other's needs because one person's like, I just want to chill. (laughs) Relationships aren't a big deal. And then the other person's like, you're my everything. Mm. Tell me I'm pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's um, a recipe for disaster, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. My um my limited understanding of uh, some of these um attachment styles and you know that sort of behavior uh it a lot of it you, you touched on this but a lot of it does come down to the um well parenting yeah and the way we uh the the relationship we might have had with our opposite sex yes caregiver exactly and we try to emulate that with our um romantic relationships yeah um and it's really it's quite difficult to detach from that because yeah. you're just enamored with this extremely st- strong sense of, uh, uh, well, love, but if irrational yeah. love yeah. To, to someone who you can see has the traits of uh, you know, your mother or father, yeah. which, is, which is crazy when you think about it. But yeah. um, in analyzing my um, past experiences and, you know, talking to, to my friends and so mm-hmm. I look, this is purely anecdotal evidence, yeah. but this seems to ring true in uh, in many cases, is, yeah. and um, a lot of it, it. It tends to be that um, a lot of women who might have had dismissive and absent fathers mm-hmm. end up with uh, men who also had dismissive and absent mothers. Yeah. So they're trying to, yeah. you know, reclaim the love they never had with their yeah. mother, and then they're trying to reclaim the love they never yeah. had with their father, and it just ends up being. Um, or alternatively, they try to a lot of what we see is that if they had a dismissive um absent father yeah you may end up in a relationship with someone who's dismissive and absent as well because one it offers familiarity it's what we're used to it's what our brain has maybe even associated with love in our upbringing because um we may you know typically in a nuclear family the first person we love is our father first male we love Mm -hmm. um and so that we've associated that to some level of love um so it's that and also sometimes we subconsciously end up in relationships where we are trying to heal our past through our partners Mm. so i'm going to subconsciously try to feel empowered um, and strong by picking a man who's also dismissive when my father mm. was dismissive and then making him not dismissive, like healing their thing. own. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the flip side of that is if you have a dismissive partner, some uh, father, sometimes you might go the other way and it's like you will seek men who will be all over you so that you never have to worry that they're going to be absent or things like that. So... We are all balancing it out. Sometimes we are finding things that we like in our parents and Mm. seeing that um, in people. But I actually had um, a guy years ago on my Tinder days message me saying... um, Years ago. Yeah. Two years ago. (laughs) 
saying, um, I only, first, his first question to me was, are you a bitch? And I said, oh, not sure. Don't think Strong so. Strong opener there. Yeah. One. <laughs> Don't think I am. Um, and he was like. Taking negging really far there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And then he was like, never mind then. And I was like, oh, why? And he was like. I only want a bitch because I have mother issues and my mom hates me and I want someone that's going to be wow. very aggressive to me. It's the only thing that <laughs> gets me going. Well, well, at least he's honest. Yeah. At least he's open and honest because with a lot of guys yeah. that probably wouldn't come out till six, seven yeah. months into the relationship. That's what I said. I was like, amazing that you're aware of that. Um, but please work on that. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, my uh, immediate question to uh, a lot of these uh, these issues that we're discussing is, how, uh, uh, if we don't have that secure attachment style or if we've, we've worked on, if we do have one of those um, non-secure attachment styles yeah. and we work on it, but we can never fully get to the point of a secure attachment yeah. style. How bad is it if, if, you're, if you understand you had a dismissive father and you're in control of it to some degree, you yeah. understand the mm. way you're reacting sometimes is... Um, irrational. Yeah, irrational and your, mm. your ego or you're trying to... Um, fix your past is it still possible to have a healthy relationship with someone who might be that opposing attachment style just just not to a, a not with a magnitude that would um yeah. create an immense amount of toxicity yeah. in a relationship because i mean we can never have a perfect relationship right no. there's always going to be some yeah. level of incompatibility there's always going to be some level of yeah. jealousy and, yeah. and these sorts of things are going to occur. Exactly. So how much should we, at what point do we do, should we uh, be looking at our relationships or, you know, ourselves and say, okay, this is actually unhealthy or, yeah. okay, this is just a normal, all right, we had a little yeah. argument. That's pretty normal. Yeah. What, when does it get to the point where you think, wow, this is, this is not good. Well, first of all, people that have secure attachments will still have relationship issues. Like, any normal relationships, but it's not mm. going to be if you don't reply to me, I will do something drastic kind sure. of thing. Yeah. It's a different oh. level of um, discomfort and it's not so be all end all. But mm. it's in that question where you said, if I have a you know dismissive parent or I'm anxiously attached and I go with someone on the flip side who's dismissive, can that work? The short answer is typically no. Um, not not but they've still worked on it they're aware yeah. of it and um you know it's not as intense maybe as it was previously yeah. in, their, well, in their life if it you're working work on it your attachment styles do change if it's something that you can be aware of and work towards yeah, okay. but they would say um a lot of research says that in order for a successful relationship to be long-term and fulfilling and emotionally safe Typically, it's best to have at least one person who is securely attached. Yeah. Um, and new researchers, so, so people that had these intense um, attachment, like fearful attachment, which is probably the most volatile of the four, mm -hmm. um, people were going to therapy for that and things like that for years, which obviously it's great to go to therapy if you have um, any kind of issues. But what they're seeing now is some of the most effective ways to heal this is through your relationships and having someone building a trust with someone and realizing that they're not going to hurt you. There you go. Love, love yeah. heals all, doesn't yes. it? Yes. But, you know, that actually puts a lot of pressure on someone who is securely yeah. attached to be like, I have to be a rock and deal with a lot of highs and a lot of lows for this person. Yeah. And it takes about two years 
as oh, well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, On because average, the yeah. my initial uh, thinking would have been if you're aware of uh, very uh, uh, bad attachment styles that you that you that you show you should deal with that yourself before you get into a relationship but that evidence actually contradicts that it's interesting and um yeah well there you go yeah that's very interesting um i want to go back to to fuck boys here okay uh (laughs) go back to a bit of a bit of that first of all have you ever found yourself attracted to a well i'm sure you have like have you found yourself attracted to a man who in your head you're thinking this man's not good for me at all. He's uh, yeah. He's um, look at his I don't know. Look at his profile picture <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> you can tell. You can tell, right? So, if you are if you have been attracted to to a man like that, and then also conversely, have you ever um, not been attracted to a man who's been on a rational level extremely nice to you and done all the the right things? Yeah. What. Is the difference there? Why? Yeah. What was it like for you to yeah. to be so attracted to someone who rationally might uh, might not be the healthiest for you? And and maybe just analyze that and, and yeah. why do you think that is? For sure, I've definitely been um, attracted to fuckboys, but it's it's pretty rare because it's something that maybe I'm more conscious about and thinking about, and yeah. I will only allow that. I guess, attraction to grow if I'm absolutely in no way, sense or the form looking for a romantic relationship with them. Because if I was, I wouldn't even go near it. That's what they're good for, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hence the first name, fuck boy. Um, But that being said, you know, I guess with my personality type, which is, I guess, common to a lot of women because we're more likely to be nurturing and and compassionate and as you know i work in um the the field of mental health and things like that Mm -hmm. that sometimes we people that are like um me can get dopamine increases or feel rewards um internally when we are helping someone Mm. fixing or saving it's like a savior complex and that's why some girls can be so attracted to fuck boys thinking like wow when i pull this man in line Am I going to feel good? Like, <laughs> he needs me. Yeah. Hey, doesn't that, but doesn't every, you know, a lot of men will complain about their their girlfriend or their wife always say, oh, she wants me to change this, yeah. she wants me to change and that. And that's so what I'll say to it's anyone. Very common. Never, ever get in a relationship with something, someone that you want to change um, unless it's so minor, like the mm. color of their bed sheets. But if it's a personality trait, don't do it because it's not going to change. Um, unless they are very much willing to put in the work for that themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's bad. Is it, Would you agree that if, if you're loving what that person could be rather than what they are yeah. at the moment, that's really, uh, that's yeah. really dangerous. And I know I, again, I've, uh, I've, uh, I've done that in my past and yeah, it just never, cause then you're sort of pressuring them to become something else and, and they're not actually when they when they feel that pressure, they're not. That's not going to help them change. Exactly. They're going to feel bad about themselves. Yeah. Um, so if you're just that, you know, that's a good that's a good uh, metaphor, isn't it? You just have to be that rock. Yeah. Like you just have to be that solid foundation that's that's there for them. And then, yeah, people do change themselves eventually. People are aware of their flaws, and I don't think um, 
you know, people will change if they're given enough yeah. support. Generally, I like I like to think anyway. Yeah. Um, if they want to, though, I think. I had a um, chat about this the other night with my friend and he was telling me that his um, best friend and his girlfriend of four years mm-hmm. broke up um, because... Sorry, his best friend's... And and yeah, and his best friend's girlfriend. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So just a guy and a girl. They were together for four years, and they broke up because um, the boyfriend uses drugs recreationally. Mm-hmm. Like every, I asked how often, and my mate was like, "Not often at all." And I was like, "Well, what is that?" And he said, "Every weekend or every second weekend." And to me, that's a lot. But to him, that's he's like, "It's not during the week." Depends what circles you are <laughs> yeah. operating. Hey, yeah. If you're in the stoner circles, that's nothing. Yeah, but for the average person, exactly, that's, that's, a, that's a fair bit. Yeah. It wasn't specifically it was party drugs though yeah that's bad mdma and ecstasy um so she's she had decided she wasn't keen on that Mm. um and he wasn't willing to change that because he was like don't change me you've been in this relationship with me for four years knowing this Mm. you can't just decide you're against drugs um and then (laughs) like that is a fair point yeah you know she kind of knew what she was getting into yeah but at the other point, you know, they're in their late 20s or, or mid to late 20s. She might be wanting to settle down and kind of um, have something that she feels is more yeah. secure and safe. And also because he was telling me that when she stopped taking drugs and going out in those circles, she was worried because she knows that, you know, the effects of MDMA, you can be uh, become very affectionate and warm to other people mm-hmm. and you want to dance and... Those kind of things that she was worried about. Yeah, of course. Could be. Loyalty. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Um, and so my friend was saying to me, you know, if a girl that I was interested in was against drugs, we should never date. Um, and I was like, that's fair. But would you not date someone that you had a potentially great future with because you wanted to do drugs? So it is mm. an interesting compromise on both sides of fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well... That is interesting. Um, Just comes down to yeah, what, what you really. value in, in a relationship. Um, not saying that you, you value drugs, but it might be that you value the, you know, that your partner will trust you and, and allow you to make those decisions and trust that you can stay loyal despite doing these things. Or it might be on the flip side, you know, I'm anti-drugs and I need a partner that can respect that. And if not, see ya. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, um, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it, it it sucks when long-term relationships for people in there, because I'm at that age now and you hear about people who are in their mid and late 20s who have been in pretty long-term relationships and they break up. I, I can only imagine how um, horrible that will be for both parties because yeah. this is the point where people... I don't even like that, that it's like, oh, now you have to make the decision whether it's forever or not kind yeah. of thing. I mean, that puts a yeah. lot of pressure on, on things, but... For most people, that's what they uh, see uh, when they're dating in their mid and late 20s. You know, is this the person I could marry yeah. and have kids with? Mm-hmm. Uh, not for everyone, but for most people. For so, most. yeah, uh, it changes a lot, doesn't it? Because in in for, for most people in their early 20s, they're just, yeah, this person's fun. Yeah. This person's hot. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's, uh, let's date. And then, yeah, and then you turn 25 and it's and like, like, are oh. you my wife or? <laughs> yeah, there's a rude awakening there, yeah. isn't there? Um, That's the pressure of society. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's always fun. Um, but one of, I think, the other things about that as well is when we're stuck in a relationship that we 
Noah's bad and has so many ups and downs and we want to leave or we do leave, but then nothing kind of feels the same afterwards or nothing is as satisfying emotionally when you do go and date that nice guy. Gosh, yeah. Um, Grass is always greener. Hey? Yeah. So. And that happens for both um, men and women where you, especially coming out of a toxic relationship. What's that? Number three, number four <laughs> is a toxic counter. <laughs> have we already said it three times? No, I don't know. We're, I, we probably have. I don't know. We're being cautious not to say it too much because it's an annoying word. Ah, but. say it. It's like, you know how I all those... Meme words like um, uh, even lol or yeah. lit. Yeah. I always start saying them ironically. Yeah, and then, and then it, it, just just, it just becomes second nature. Part of the vernacular, I just start saying it. Yep, exactly. Which is probably quite toxic. Yeah. <laughs> Zing. Um, but yeah, so we, with these toxic relationships, um, why is it that we find them so uh, addictive? And one of the interesting things that, I learned was that it's the physiological effect that they have on our body where you get um, sharp increases of like pulse and heart rate um, with someone that when you're escalating. Gosh. Also, when you have a serious low or or an intense fight, you know, the cycle of abuse or just manipulation even. Mm, The highs and lows. Yeah, the highs and lows. And then you have this amazing bonding that happens after the low after the low that that feels like nothing else Mm. um and then you go from that into a safe and secure relationship and your heart rate's pretty chill there's no there's no highs (laughs) and lows and you're like yeah what next kind of thing or you you're not feeling the same but realistically and you and a lot of people think i don't feel the love for this person that i felt for you know the the toxic guy but realistically you were yeah you weren't addicted to the love you were addicted to the response that your body was having yeah so it's almost a drug for for the girl actually yeah and both as well yeah Yeah. and for guys and um because that happened because the the you know the stereotype is that it's always the the woman who's the more mature one and wants to settle down and the guys having fun being childish but Look, that happens both ways. Yeah. There's plenty of men that I know and um, that I've heard of who actually do want to settle down yeah. and want to have a much more serious relationship. But it's less likely that the girls may be, you know, um, acting out and, and doing drugs or things yeah. like that can happen. But it's more that the girl might be, she might not really have a good idea of what she wants and yeah. she's kind of volatile and... Mm. Uh, it's very unclear sometimes and yeah. she's all over the place, which, I mean, to a certain degree is everyone. But yeah. um, it's just particularly pronounced with uh, with uh, with some women. So I guess we're, you know, we can talk about all these things that, that, are, that are happening, but what is the, what are some solutions? You know, what, what can um, people do to, uh, do you just have to be disciplined enough that when you're feeling those, extremely strong feelings of lust to know that okay this is an irrational biological response or do you do you let it happen because you can have an amazing time when you are uh yeah feeling that way exactly and it may not be necessarily toxic yeah um but then then the third point i'll make is you don't want to overthink it either you don't want to sit there thinking oh i love this person but then Am I just having an irrational response? Like just, you know, live in the moment and let it happen to a certain degree. So mm. 
what do you do? <laughs> I think it it, de- it depends on the level of how unsafe or emotionally even or okay, I'm just gonna say it, how toxic is the relationship? Yeah. Um yeah. how how intense is it really? Is it just normal little arguments? You know, in relationship therapy we get taught it's not about how many arguments you have, it's about how you resolve them and how you communicate that issue. So Good. if um I said, I don't like the way that you put your teacup there without a co-star kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then if you're like, I'll do what I want, it's my place. Then it we continue to escalate. But yeah. if you're like, that's an interesting opinion, Eliza. It's my place. <laughs> you know, or maybe I will put yeah, a co-star okay. there kind of thing. Okay. Just how, how you resolve it um, makes the difference. But, you know, when, when we have these yeah. relationships that have such intense highs, that can be for a variety of reasons. It can be that... Sometimes people are addicted to creating drama um, mm. because they enjoy the the validation that comes afterwards. Like if I was in a relationship with you and I might um, accuse you of looking at this other girl mm. that you didn't even glance at. I or probably maybe, did. Yeah, maybe you <laughs> did. And then I might escalate that massively and then be like, you don't love me and you don't think I'm pretty. But in reality... The reason behind that is I just wanted you to tell me that, you know, reassure me in a relationship, but people can't make that connection and say, hey, you know, I, I'm feeling that I need some more validation or reassurance. Instead, they'll create drama to get those. Mm-hmm. Um, and and guys do that as well, of course. So the- A lot of this is done subconsciously. It is. So it's hard to really it, yeah. blame the people yeah. sometimes because they're not- uh, you know, arguably, they're not really in control of that yeah. response. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I think, well, it sounds like doing the inner work and, and you know, yeah. self-analysis and mindfulness and if it's really extreme, going to therapy yeah. would be some, yeah. some solutions that you'd recommend. Just recognizing what is, if, if you're escalating or someone else is escalating, but especially you yourself, the first question you should ask is, Okay, what's beneath that behavior? Why did I just mm. do that? Did I really yell at him for looking at another girl? Or what What comes beneath that? And that might be I, I feel hurt or rejected. And what comes beneath that? I feel insecure. Those kind of things, just that self-reflection. But also knowing, you know, the Buddhists say that the best relationships, you don't feel fire, you feel calm, you feel water. Yeah. Um, and so if you're in an unhealthy relationship, recognize the signs of that. Yeah. yeah. Do have to admit it's, it's, it can be pretty boring, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's me. You there you go. There's something you got to work some, on. Some, uh, some issues there, Yeah. you know? Yeah. And like, Look, what the, the sex is great when, um, <laughs> people have bad attachment styles. That's true. So, yeah. You know, just putting that out there. Yeah. That's, you know, they don't say, I don't want to say the phrase it's disgusting, but don't put your don't put your dick in crazy, but then the response is, but that's the best place to put it um, because. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> well, just be aware. <laughs> you yeah, know, no, for maybe sure. Maybe yeah. if you've put it in a couple of times, that's all right. But if you're in a year, use years a of relationship, yes, please. Um, please do that. That would be great. But also I think it's just no know when it's um when it's not healthy and mm. if your relationship is the 
the point of your happiness? Like, what is the purpose of your relationship to you? If you're relying on your happiness, uh, your relationship to feed everything for you, esteem, validation, joy, excitement, you're going to be way too attached to that partner. Mm. You need to be in like a perspective that, you know, I'm my own person and my happiness comes down to me and you or my partner or whoever is just an addition to that, but not the source of that. Um, and unfortunately in toxic relationships, that's where the line gets really blurred and it's, we rely on that other person to bring us those emotions and to bring us that security and things like that. Mm. Yeah. Would you, would you say that it's kind of hard not to rely on them for at least some, some level of validation? I mean, if, uh, your partner is going through something and, they're just not communicating or they're, uh, uh, they're ignoring you. Um, what do you do if you're the rock, uh, so to speak, do you Mm -hmm. say, okay, that's their issue. I got to let them deal with that and, and, and be nice about it. Or do you still call them out on it and say, and not in a aggressive way, but in a, in a, um, in a mature way, I think you still should be able to, um, if, if your partner is doing something that you perceive to be uh, wrong yeah. in the relationship, first of all, self-reflect yeah. and ask yourself, okay, is this me trying to maintain control because, yeah. you know, I didn't have control of my relationship with mm-hmm. my mother or whatever it is like mm-hmm. that. But then if you're still, and then maybe you can talk to, talk to friends, um, but then if you still feel like, no, this person did something that I'm not okay with. Yeah. Personally, I would say you still got to you still got to address that. You got to talk to them about that. Yeah. How how do you go about that if um, especially if the other person is maybe fragile, yeah. and then you know there's so many instances where men talk about how uh, we'll we'll say something to our our partner, and then they'll get upset that we've criticized them, yeah. and then we're the ones who yes. have to apologize. Yes, and then that happens, and then so it does. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna use the word. <laughs> I think it's toxic. I mean, if the yeah. man, it depends how the man is criticizing him. It's, you know, yeah. Uh, every situation is different, but I know I've been in situations where I've had a pretty valid criticism, and you know, I'd talk to my friends uh, about it as well, and mm. they would generally back me up. Obviously, they're biased because they're my friends. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, that's the thing I want to talk to as as mm. well. Um, eventually, we'll get to that. But mm. then uh, my uh, my girlfriend at the time will just get really upset and and start um going in this negative spiral about oh you you are you not always but you know you you think i'm useless or whatever i was like no i just said you know one simple thing there yeah so how do you contend with that for sure well first of all it's it's important to recognize that if you're with a partner and they um when you said you know they've done something wrong but somehow you're the one that ends up apologizing Mm -hmm. that's gaslighting and people throw that word around without actually knowing what that means but that's pretty much the very definition of it Mm -hmm. is making you feel wrong or misunderstood or feeling crazy for expressing a concern about Mm -hmm. something that i've done Um, and it's important to recognize when people do that it is pretty well it is very manipulative but we often do that accidentally be a bit Um, we gaslight people without realizing it because we're just trying to deflect it off us. But in terms of how to address it with someone that's fragile, there's a technique that's called like um, the Imago technique. And 
it's I always say this to people in, in relationships on how to communicate it's really valuable to learn and that would be if I would first well you would say to me like you know I've got a problem with this and and this is how it's made me feel blah 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 you express your your feelings but you wouldn't say Eliza it pisses me off when you don't clean the house or whatever what you would say is <laughs> which hopefully you would never say you gotta cook you gotta clean <laughs> yeah <laughs> what you might say instead was um I feel that I feel overwhelmed and I feel you know stressed when I'm in a place that isn't clean and I want to work together on mm. doing this and then the amaga aspect is my response would be and this is what everyone's response would be when someone is expressing a concern or a critique is I'd start by saying what I'm hearing is, and then repeat what you're saying. Um, and then okay. say, did I get that? So it's just a simple validation of what have, what I've heard you say, yeah. because often my instinctive um, point would just to be we'll get defensive, get right? defensive yeah. and deny it and then talk about something that you've done well you <laughs> left the toilet seat up yeah. you know classic, classic yeah relationship and it's not there. gonna it's just the um okay so what you're saying is this i can see that you're frustrated so validate an emotion did i get everything like is that was there anything more to that and you mm. might say yes and then talk about another thing or you might say, no, that's it. And I'm like, okay, thank you for communicating that. So thank you for sharing. And then is it okay if I express how I feel? And it sounds so clinical and like therapeutic and kind of cringe. Yeah. But it's so effective. Okay, okay. It's that's worth just doing. Responses. Yeah, yeah. Just it makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, I can't help but think in the heat of the moment, you yeah. know, am I going to be like, Okay, I understand that. What what was it? It's like okay, you're feeling this way, so you validate yeah. the emotion first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would, I'm sure it would take a yeah some discipline and some practice yeah. to to be in control of it, especially in a heated situation yeah. where yeah. Every time you know, if if you're uh, particularly if you're continually being criticised, mm. you just can't help but get defensive. Um, yeah. I could imagine it would be. Well, I can attest to my own personal experiences as well uh you can try to uh aim for that standard but mm. you, what is it your amygdala is um mm -hmm. inflamed and you just can't help but react emotionally yeah, and exactly. get defensive so yeah. uh that's that's good that's great advice uh i'm sure it would just be a, a matter of actually disciplining yourself and yeah and putting it into yeah. practice which may actually uh take yeah. some time and one of those confronting things about that that is really big in um, mindfulness or Buddhism practice is that any emotion that you feel mm -hmm. even if you've done something terrible to to your partner or or I had a, a boyfriend or cheated who cheated on me and I'm angry that emotion's coming from me so even though he may be the cause of that really that's that's my emotion to deal with and that's my my thing to reflect on and pass on and yeah i'm not saying be with someone that cheats on you but recognize that these emotions that you're feeling come from within you and it's up to you to how you respond with that um so some people can say that when you live a life with a level of you know strong self-regulation and being able to regulate your emotion it's very fair to feel you know have a cry have have an angry outburst or, or whatever but really 
we truly feel the peak of our anger for only two to three minutes. Um, And so coming down, yeah, don't respond in those two to three minutes Mm. when someone says something that gets your back up. And if you need more time, for some people, it's like, um, like I had once a boyfriend who every time, if he was stressed, he'd go for a walk. Um, or just leave and you know I I might need two to three minutes and I'm like okay let's chat about it he would go out for a two-hour walk and be like okay (laughs) I'm ready to talk about it yeah but it's better than doing it um that way yeah you know if I have a yeah if I have a a heavy bag um I go and do some uh some boxing if I'm really angry yeah exactly exactly but just just realize that you know our emotions come from within us and our own you know our bias and personal experiences values and morals and that's why we have these emotional reactions um and if you know that you're going to get you're not going to get um an effective communication out of this Mm -hmm. take a step back um and wait until you can wait until it you calm down a bit. Otherwise you say things in relationships that people can't come back from. And that's when it gets um, really unhealthy. Like, you know, that very commonly you might say something to a partner and then they'll respond saying, you always do this. Mm. And that's a big statement to make. Like you're, you always put me down or something. Yeah. Those are the killers. Yeah. And it's just that word always. Yeah. Yeah. Or if it's like, you're just like everyone else or anything like that. Yeah. I found is the most hurtful. Yeah. And it's very hard to come back from. Even when someone says, you know, I don't, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. It's, Never say you always do this or, you know, this is typical of you or you're a selfish person. Talk from your own perspective. I feel hurt when this happens. I yeah. feel hurt when I feel put down. Yeah. 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 I've been trying to do that uh, as well. I've been rather than saying you you did this and, yeah. and it made me feel this way. You just say, okay, this is how I'm feeling. Yeah. And it's less of an attack on the other person. Yeah. Um, I want to just explore another another issue that sort of relates to to what we're talking about. Another point, actually, I'd want to make is uh, this relates to what we spoke about in the first podcast: toxic masculinity and, and mm. you know that great buzzword. Um, I think a lot of men maybe do have a wrongful perception about what the most I would argue masculine way to deal with conflict in a relationship is because maybe men might think, oh, you need to show her who's boss, you need to yell, Mm. you need to be domineering. But I would argue the most masculine response is to be in control of your emotions and to be the Zen master, if you will. And if you're just being the hothead, that's not, I don't perceive that as masculinity at all. I perceive that as uh, irrationality and, well, just juvenile energy that you need to be um, more aware of. Exactly. So I think that's a wrongful perception. Of course, if you're just letting yourself get in, getting walked over in a in a relationship, any relationship doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. Yeah, that's that's also yeah that's wrong. But there's a there's a middle ground there, which is not be submissive, but not be uh, tyrannical. Yeah, and it's just to be calm under pressure and you exactly. know weather the storm. Yeah, um, that's what I would call non-toxic masculinity yeah yeah. and it it doesn't just apply for men i think that's a sort of uh something to aim for 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 everyone yeah Uh, when not just in relationships when life is throwing curveballs your way Mm -hmm. 
the person who can be calm under pressure mm. and not let their emotions get the better of them is ultimately going to come out mm-hmm. the best. Exactly. Speaking of um, that kind of male, female, dominant, submissive thing, have you ever heard of trad wives? No. Yeah, this is, a, this is a new one that's coming out. Tra- that it- so what it tried wives? Trad, trad, like traditional wives. Oh, oh yeah. I have seen a few yeah. little... Um, yeah, references to yeah, it. Yeah, so I've kind of just delved into that recently, which has been really interesting. And it's pretty much women who are most commonly Christian women. Yeah, okay. um, Most think, of them are. Yeah, white Christian women mm. um, who have decided to live, to kind of recreate their favorite values of the 50s housewife. Sure. Um, plus rights. So it would be not working, doing the cooking, the cleaning. Um, and what is interesting is some of the things that I've watched, you know, I've only watched a few of these women speaking out. So I can't, it's not speaking for the whole community, but one of them was letting the men deal with the conflict and letting him handle that and admitting you're wrong and things like that, even when you're not. So that was a, that was a tough one to, <laughs> tough one to watch um but very interesting how fast this community is is growing it's um it's getting bigger and bigger every day which has been really interesting to observe and i'm sure obviously a lot of feminists are highly offended and pissed off about trad wives yeah it sounds like it's a reactionary cultural statement because just being void of some of those uh traditional uh restrictions that we had on relationships and gender roles doesn't necessarily mean we're happier Mm. and i think a lot of particularly millennials and and zoomers are just jaded with the whole dating process and online dating and we have all this freedom Mm. but it's not actually giving us happiness or fulfillment so i think that is a sort of inevitable response where the only thing people remember that at least worked to some degree yeah. was was the were the values of yesteryear. So yeah. well from a feminist perspective, if it's their choice to do that, isn't that you know, isn't that still allowing females to pursue the the life they want they yeah. want to? Yeah, that's a very good point. And the only thing that kind of pops up in my mind about that is, you know, the the biggest aspect of being a, a trad wife is raising your children from home. So it's kind of, I would worry about the values that that instills in your children that, you know, the little boys you're growing up, you know, you're going to have a wife. She's going to do every single thing for you. This is the norm. Um, and raising little girls thinking you'll find a husband, you know, if he yells at you, you have to sit, you know, before he comes home and put your makeup on those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not, gender roles that's specifically just trad wives um so that would be my concern of that is how much that has an impact on the children sure yeah 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 because well they're just perceiving yeah uh, that's their well, sorry that's their main conception of yeah how um adult men and women yeah. would interact so yeah and also encouraging or enabling is probably a better word that um that toxic masculinity that you're talking about before where it's like, nope, this is my way dominating kind of thing in yeah. terms of I'm the man of the house here. We listen to me. Um, and at some point it's like, yeah, feminists should say that 
this woman's living her life in the way that she feels empowered. Mm -hmm. But in other ways, it's, you know, we are enabling certain behaviors and tendencies without talking about it in a way that is recognizing to people that this isn't, this isn't the best way to go about. Um, And we don't want to raise our boys to be saying, I'm the man, listen to me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that is a, a yeah. I, I'd imagine that's a bit of a feminist conundrum because <laughs> they would probably argue, well, it's my choice to, yeah. to act this way. Yeah. So in, it's, that's a tricky. It's interesting, isn't yeah. it? Um, I was going to say something, but I've completely, uh, I've just mind blanked. You've just gone off right and now, of, uh, thinking about what it would be like to have a trad about, wife. Have <laughs> <laughs> a trad wife. You're like, yeah. shit, this is a thing. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Where can I find one? Uh, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> no, look, uh, I can't, I don't know what that would be like as a, well, look, to, to play devil's advocate, um, what those traditional values also put upon the man was a lot of pressure. It mm. gave him a lot of power, but also a hell of a lot of responsibility. You have to be the breadwinner. You have to take care of the family. You have to do all these things. If not, you're not the man. So I don't know if it was... It, it definitely was the woman was submissive and was yeah. lesser to the man, but it also came with a huge toll on, on men. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not at all um, saying this is the way we yeah. should be living, yeah. but I'm just playing devil's advocate there and, and saying that uh, those stereotypical 1950s men, I mean, I can only assume I didn't actually live in that era, would have had a huge amount of responsibility on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to do all these things. I uh, I have to work extremely hard. If I'm if I've got a sore back, you know, it was probably a labor job. Yeah. I, I can't complain. I can't bitch about it. My family's depending on me. I have mm. to go and do it. Mm. So uh, that you know that sort of the the power that men would have had in mm. that situation. It you know it comes with its. Uh, disadvantages as well again i really got to make this clear i'm not saying you know so therefore it should be the way we go about things yeah um it is really interesting um that kind of dynamic because there's a lot of contradicting research coming out at the moment about gender roles in a relationship and is it better to have the gender roles or is it better to not have gender roles and some research says that couples that do not subscribe. This is um, monogamous um, straight couples. This, mm-hmm. this research does not apply to LGBTI couples. But um, is it better? To, uh, it, the research showed that some couples who don't have gender roles, where maybe the man is staying at home, um, does most of the household things, or the woman is the breadwinner, those kind of things, some of the research was saying that actually they are more likely to feel stigmatized um, and therefore have an increase of potential relationship issues, depending on where they are geographically and how accepted it is societally, Mm. Um, but that it's not actually as beneficial. I'm sorry, I'm like stuttering over my words because it's such a controversial topic that I'm trying to tiptoe around it without offending people oh, someone's um, always gonna get yeah offended, exactly yeah. but then the other research shows that we are happier when you know we're living in a 
a place of empowerment and mm-hmm. doing as we please and that we don't feel that we can't take steps to success as a woman because we have to fulfill a certain role to make our man not feel threatened um, or uncomfortable with our success. But at the same point, you know, on, on that other first side, men are feeling stigmatized in these gender roles, these non-traditional gender roles, not by their partners, but by society. Mm. Um, So I think, you know, we still have a really long way to go in terms of breaching out of these roles that we have. Sure. Um, We have massively though, like the difference between now and the 50s obviously uh, is drastic. Yeah, in Western countries, it's definitely, uh, it's it's changed a lot. Uh, But I... The, the question is, what is the ideal um, kind of way to to live? And and, and then as are people then being pressured to, to live that way? And that's that's yeah. that's the bad thing. Sorry, I'm stumbling a little bit here as well. Because I'm <laughs> going to be, you know, careful how I say things here. But, okay, tell me if you think this kind of view is uh, rings true to yeah. modern day women. Um you see how women were treated in the in the past, mm-hmm. and you're understandably quite upset about that. Mm-hmm. You know, you were well, only a hundred years ago, you were literally property. I mean, yeah. that's pretty bad, <laughs> to say the least. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a lot of pressure on you to fulfill certain roles, and you didn't have the um, you didn't have the opportunity to obtain uh, economic and um, social power that you do today. Mm-hmm. There are a few. There are a few queens yes. out there. Queen Victoria, Queen um, Queen Mary, Queen Elizabeth the mm-hmm. first. So there are a few uh, exceptions to the rule. Joan of Arc, you know, there are a few exceptions to the rule. But ultimately, um, those opportunities weren't afforded to you. Now, because of that, you you feel almost like not necessarily it's your duty, but you need to be the 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 opposite to that now, and you need to. Uh, you know, counteract the past by being the, you know, the independent go-getter type. Yeah. And that may not actually necessarily be um, the best thing for you uh, as an individual. If, if it's a truly free society and you're given the choice, you know, you can either be that go-getter and go and pursue a career or you can be at home and take more of an active role in the kids' And not necessarily be submissive to your husband, but, you mm. know, allow him to be the main, mm-hmm. uh, the main, the, the person making most of the, yeah. the decisions. And does that actually then not give you that choice? Because there, there, there might be pressure on you to, no, I have to do it. I can't let her, you know, I was talking to a girl recently and she was like, oh, I don't want my future husband to make more money than me. And I'm like, well, wow. Like, does it really matter if he does? She doesn't want him to. Yeah. Okay, so she is feminist to very feminist. Did she like identify as being a strong feminist? I didn't. Oh, well, I assumed so, but yeah. like, I didn't. I didn't sort of press her on that. But I just sort of thought, look, if if um him making more money, you know, uh, initiates his control or his sort mm. of domineering power over you of course that's that's mm. atrocious but if your man is successful and is making yeah more than you like yeah. that should be a good thing. like you should be proud like oh yeah. my man's making so much money like and also things like um you know i like to uh if i've got it you know when i'm when i'm with my girlfriend i like to be 
not necessarily, um, I won't just say masculine, but you know, sometimes I like to, I, I want to, you know, wear nice clothes that make yeah. me look kind of manly yeah. and like be yeah. attractive to her in that yeah. way. And I do appreciate it when a girl does, um, make food for me yeah, and does those sorts of things for me. Yeah. And it's, it's a really sort of loving gesture. I don't see it as like, oh, yeah. that you have to do that. You have well, to cook for me. But yeah. when they do, it's like, oh, this is so, this is, it's just showing that you, that you love that person. Yeah. So my, my thing is if, if it's coming from a place of free choice and a woman mm. wants to, mm. I don't know about putting the makeup on every day and all that, that's a bit much, but you know, if she wants to, um, from a place of love, Hey, you know, you've had a rough day at work. Like, mm. let me make mm. a meal for you and yeah. get, and get you a beer, like whatever yeah. the traditional yeah. idea is. Yeah. Why is that necessarily a, a bad thing? That was a lot there. Yeah. Uh, First of all, <laughs> I'll say that I think that a lot of women are highly offended at the concept that we're trying to overcompensate with our success <laughs> all right. um, due to sure. the past. Um, and that we're just like, man, if I want to be a CEO, let me be a CEO. Don't think I'm trying to rewrite this or prove a point. It's just my journey of success, Yeah. Um, which is a really common um the kind of struggle that women have, but also with the, you know, if I, you value someone that, you know, might cook you a meal or give you a massage or whatever, that's not necessarily gender roles. That would be, I would say that your language of love is sure. acts of service Yeah. Okay. and that that's something you appreciate. Yeah. Whereas like my language of love is words of affirmation. So when someone like communicates mm -hmm. something to me, um, saying like, you know, you, you're a good person or I, I value this, blah, blah, blah. That's how I feel loved. Yeah. Whereas you're feeling loved through someone showing you love and showing you that they're going to put an effort for you. Yeah. Okay. So I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to, you know, we don't need to be, despite what everyone says, we shouldn't be boxing ourselves into a specific role or do this, do that. It's just, here's what I am. Here's what I do. That's what you do. That's what you want. Doesn't mesh. Yes. Success. Doesn't mesh. No. Mm. Please separate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not uh, stating that women who are successful are just overcompensating yeah. or anything like that. I guess my question was just, do you think there's any, do you think there, there is any truth? Like a drive yeah, for that it. There's this yeah. sort of um, almost pressure. I mean, Another, this, this is all very anecdotal. So yeah. um, I don't know how true this is for the greater population, but I was talking to a female friend of mine and she was talking about, you know, she'd asked her boyfriend, um, uh, how, how, would you, you know, how do you like my hair? So she's, she's asked her that and he said, oh, I prefer it when it's long. And so, and <laughs> yeah. so to make a statement, she went and cut it short. Yeah. Now, like that to me is just, like, what are you doing there? Why did you even ask him? Yeah, <laughs> gosh, isn't that so common? I know so many girls that have gone through that exact but what? argument of okay. how do you like my hair? <laughs> yeah, so I don't, okay, yeah. I don't, I can already like feel myself getting defensive here. And I just don't, <laughs> I don't understand that. And to me, yeah. that sounds like it's proving a point. Yeah, like, what do you, what, and you're going, what's your fuck insight? The patriarchy yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. So what what is your and I can't imagine yeah. it, it's it's healthy. Yeah. Um, so what what's your insight to something like that? I think with everything in life and you know, and, and all these groups, we there are scales and you know, that we have some people that are very high up in one end of a scale and they will want to challenge those things. Mm. Um and 
maybe take it a bit more intensely, like, you know, finding it you know, like there are women that find it offensive if someone tries to buy them dinner, that kind of thing. Um, uh, or a male tries to buy them dinner Did or you, even, would you, would you find that offensive? No. Okay. I wouldn't find it. I'd actually find it really, um, nice, but I would never expect a man to buy me dinner. I'll always mm. be like, I'll get this. I feel like, you know, it's best whoever initiates the, the dinner, whoever says, let's go out for dinner or will you go out for me? That person should pay. So if so I fair, say it, I'll pay it. That. If they invite me, they can pay it. Yeah, I think that's a good way to do it. Yeah, I, I like doing it not because it's my job as the man or anything, but yeah. generally it's uh, it's just a nice gesture. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I uh, had a good time. I'll pay. Yeah. Maybe if I didn't have a good time, I'll be like, you want to split it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, Like exactly. if I get drinks, what I usually do is like, you know, I'll get the first two. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, do you mind getting around? Like, yeah, so exactly. I, I take a sort of middle ground there. Yeah, that's the way to go because there's no point in – throwing a lot of money on something when you know if you already know straight from two minutes in like oh this is not going to be the person for me but let's just hang out and chat anyway yeah and then you end up spending 150 dollars, and you're like yikes yeah and there's a few instances there which i think some men might um you know use as an example of the whole female population where a woman has taken advantage of that generosity so yeah Oh, I'm just on Tinder to get a free meal, that kind of thing. Or, yeah. you know, I've taken a girl out where um, she just kept ordering the most expensive cocktails. Yes, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, I was sort of like... Please don't. <laughs> well, yeah. I yeah. mean... I know a girl that... I did, I did, I paid in the end, but then oh. I was like, I was... No, by the third round, I did say like, hey, do you think you should, you know, do you mind getting this one? And then yeah. she got upset at that. She was like... There's a Russian wow. girl, so they're very like, they're all tra- they they are trad wives. Yeah, <laughs> not all of them, but um, that culture is definitely mm. a lot more conservative. Um, but yeah, she started saying, you know, you know, this isn't masculine, and wow. like on the date, yeah, and wow. I'm like, all right, jeez, like, that's intense. That's what you meant by mas- yeah, mas- like buying things. Yeah, that's um, interesting how it differs amongst cultures as well. Because I have seen, I saw a video of a. Um, a Russian woman making a American dating versus Russian dating video, and the American it was. I think I know that. Yeah, the he girl, brings her. On TikTok? I think so. Yeah, yeah, she's really funny. He yeah. brings her a bunch of flowers, and then the Americans like, "Wow, that's so kind of you. Thank you so much. Like, I haven't had flowers in such a long time." And then the Russian is like, "If you come empty-handed to any date, see ya." <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's like that kind of trade-off there. Yeah. Um. But I don't know anything about that much about Russian culture. So that could just be that one girl, but who knows? Yeah, it could be. It yeah. could be. Um, but yeah, I've we heard, yeah, know. I haven't actually experienced it, but I've heard Eastern European culture is a little bit um, more so to the traditional side when it right. comes to dating and, and gender mm. roles. Um, but again, I'm sure there's exceptions to, to the rules as they are with every rule, but we, this is good. This is good discussion. <laughs> I feel like we could go on for a very long time and we should probably... Um, we should do a podcast eventually on, you know, the, 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 um, how to, you know, how can I say this, but, uh, the expected behavior when it comes to dating in, yeah. in 2020, because that is a common, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah it's a common question. Like, do, do I pay? Do I not pay? Yeah. Is it, you know, am I a simp if I yeah. pay that kind of yeah. thing? And then, you know, it's, um, it's not like, uh, you shouldn't know, no man should go in expecting something if you've paid for everything. 
Um, but then if you've paid and, and you've had a lovely meal and then you get ghosted, it's it's upsetting. Yeah. Because you're just like, well, what? at least give me a message or something or, you know, you hopefully want to get something but yeah that expectation can we be will pretty... we should definitely make a podcast on it because i have a lot to say especially about the the send a message to the guy um because i've certainly done that yeah and long stories though but mo- maybe mm, eight out of ten times i send that message like thanks for a lovely date or thanks for the message but i'm not interested in taking it further take care Eight out of ten times I'll be met with a really abusive message or a lot of aggression. And guys are always saying, just tell them, just be upfront. But, you know, it it comes down to I'm not in the mood to have a three-hour argument about it just because I don't want to go on a second date. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, the... um... Yeah, the aggression's probably not not good behavior, (laughs) is it? So... Okay, well, then yeah, this is, that's another podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. That's a, that's a good one, though. Uh, <laughs> but thank you guys for listening. Uh, this will be on Spotify and Apple Podcasts soon. It just takes a while. We're just confirming the name. But I'm I'm pretty happy with Sex Sales because yeah. a lot of the other names we had were already taken. And, yeah. you know, you can still put a podcast out there with a name that another podcast has. But, you know, I'd rather have one that um, is unique. Yeah. So for sure. hopefully uh, in, a, in a week or, well, by the time this goes out, all the podcasts should be on Spotify mm-hmm. and Apple Podcasts. So subscribe, uh, subscribe to my channel, and um, subscribe to Eliza's business Instagram. Do you have that yet? Yes, I think it's just under the name Eliza Joy Wilson. Um, okay, I've got to, I got to sort it out, but it's kind of there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Hopefully that helped you, and talk to you next time. See you later.